Guy here with a quick message before the latest pod here on Blood Red. 2020's been pretty rubbish, but here on Blood Red, we wanted to say thank you to all of our continued and loyal listeners. Part of that has been the creation of our Blood Red census, which you can find in the description of this podcast. All we want to know is what you think of our content and also give you the chance to shape how much and what you get to listen to in future. If you can check it out and fill it in, it won't take longer than two minutes to do. You can even manage it between your Christmas dinner and your pudding. It's in the description, as I say, and that's all. Enjoy the pod. Thanks for your support this year. We're all in it with each other and hope you have a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. This is the Behind Enemy Lines podcast on the Blood Red channel, bringing you the inside track on Liverpool FC's next opponents. Liverpool's final game of the year sees a trip to Tyneside in the offing as 2020 comes to a close. I'm Guy Clark. Welcome along to Behind Enemy Lines here on the Blood Red channel as we get set to talk all things Newcastle United. The growing pressure on Steve Bruce, the Rafael Benitez shadow hanging over St James's Park, as well as this summer's failed takeover bid and just how former Reds transfer target Jamal Lewis is getting on up in the northeast. Well, to get into all of that, it's a pleasure to say we have the Chronicle's chief Newcastle United writer, Lee Ryder, with us. Thanks for joining us, Lee. How are you keeping? Not too bad, thanks. Just uh, the fatigue levels are up and down during the festive period, but, you know, that's that's usual. <laughs> no, it, it is one of those, and, and I suppose with this season as well, with all the games crammed in, it's not like you sort of have a reserve to run off either. But uh, anyway, let's, let's get into sort of the chat and how the season is going so far for Newcastle United. Sort of lower reaches of mid-table thus far, but a bit of discontent I sort of seem to hear and feel coming from Tyneside at the moment. Yeah, it's it's one of them where I think there's frustration in the background anyway because obviously the takeover didn't go through in the summer. Um, Steve Bruce is wasn't everybody's choice when he got the job. Um, so when he wins, it sort of quietens critics down. When he loses, it, it you, you do see a big sort of. Um, reaction on Twitter, which is obviously what the rest of the country must see as well, because it's obviously everybody uses Twitter. Um, so, yeah, it, it be, it's been, you know, I mentioned up and down just there. That's what it's been like for Newcastle. They, they've they've got some decent wins this season. Um, I think they've had an element of luck about them when they have won. Um, when they've lost, it has looked like, you know, they've tried to set up um, in a similar way to Rafa Benitez by parking the bus, uh, and it just hasn't paid off for them. So, but for all that, they're, they're sitting there with 18 points. They are relatively clear of the relegation zone, um, but I think people want to see uh, a little bit more than that pushing the top 10. So, yeah, and to compound all that, they got beat off Brentford in the quarterfinals of the League Cup, which was, uh, you know, if they'd have been in a semi final, I don't think. Uh, the the criticism would have been too harsh about losing over Christmas, but it just compounds it when you have a result like that. Yeah, I suppose it, it's been sort of those recent results as well. Like you say, the the manner of the defeat at, at Leeds United, albeit they got a couple of late goals in in that one, the home draw with Fulham. And as you say, the, the one that really sort of seems to be a sticking point right now is that 
Carabao Cup quarter-final defeat to Brentford. We all know how long it's been since Newcastle haven't tasted success in cup competitions. And you guys up there are, are, are crazy to hopefully see some kind of domestic cup success one day. Yeah, that, that's it. I, th- I honestly think that for Steve Bruce, if he'd have, even if he'd have got the semi-final, I think you know that would have won a lot of a lot of plaudits for him and a lot of fans. Um, if he'd have won it, would it have changed people's overall opinion of him? I'm not sure. I think, it, to be fair, I think it should have done really because you know many have tried and many have failed. It's some big names: so Bobby Robson, Kevin Keegan, Rude Hullet, Kenny Daglish. They all tried to win a cup. They couldn't do it. Um, so Steve Bruce, he, he got them to a position where they were within touching distance of a semi-final. Now, what? who did he got in the semi-final? We'll never know now. But that, just to, to be making progress on that front would have been important. They've got Arsenal away in the cup, which looked like a tough draw when it first sort of come out the hat. Um, now it, it looks like a, a tie that could possibly go down there and win if they put their minds to it. So for for Steve Bruce, his his success not only depends on trying to keep in touch with trying to get a top 10 place, but also just remaining in that cup competition. So the fans have got that, that little bit of hope. Um, but yeah, it's, it's never easy at Newcastle when you've got Mike Ashley as owner. He doesn't communicate with the fans. We all assume that the plan is just to stay up. Um, money won't be chucked at Steve Bruce, especially with them losing about 50 million in gate money this season. So it's a difficult job for Steve Bruce, to be fair. And, and I think from the outside, on the managerial circuit, all of his sort of uh, rival managers, they can see what a tough job Newcastle is. Um and I think Jurgen Klopp is probably in that category as well. He can see what a tough job it is for for Steve Bruce. Um, so yeah, it's it's one where he couldn't have had a worse festive period with City, Liverpool, and then Leicester. It's a tough, tough trio of fixtures. Yeah, it certainly is. I suppose you're in a sort of unique vantage point covering Newcastle United as you have for, for many years sort of there between sort of the, the fans and obviously with an eye on what the, the club are getting up to day to day and I suppose that pressure on Steve Bruce and the, the grumblings of discontent this season sort of only heightened through the fans' frustrations of that takeover that was spoken about so much through the course of the summer not happening. He can probably accept the criticism for results but it's that lingering disappointment of that takeover not happening that probably seeps over in the, the fans' frustrations is it? Yeah, and look, it, if that takeover had gone through, you, you're talking about a complete game changer, really. Um, this It wouldn't have happened straight away, but I think overall, over the next three, four, five transfer windows, Newcastle suddenly would have, would have gone from this team that are usually staving off relegation into a team that could possibly challenge for the top four again, which they've done in the past. Um, you know, they've had a couple of second place finishes in the 90s uh, under Sir Bobby Robson. They finished in the top four and the top five. So that's that's where it could take Newcastle back to. And not to be confused in all of this is the talk of the fans' expectations because, like, a lot of people are out there and some pundits especially feel to seem to think that Newcastle fans are kicking off because they want Champions League football 
but that's certainly not the case. What they want is they want that little bit of hope. Um, and as I say, staying in those cups, challenging for those cups, and just trying to have a respectable league position. That's all they want. And also probably a, a change of style um, in terms of the way they play. I mean, you can't take on Man City and Liverpool at their own game because you, you will get you will get beaten heavily. So, yeah, I think for Steve Bruce, he's got to get that balance exactly right. And it's that's that's the difficult part of the job. Yeah, on, on sort of Steve Bruce and the Rafael Benitez sort of succeeding him and the, the discontent over that, I suppose as much of that, and you'll be able to enlighten us, it, it sort of seems is maybe the style of play, as you said before, it maybe isn't all too different at times, but Benitez has that sort of politician, statesman-like approach in fighting the fans' corners when he's giving his interviews and sort of gets the fans on side, whereas Bruce maybe isn't sort of that akin and that liked to, to the fans? Yeah, look, I think uh, Rafa was very clever when he was at Newcastle um, and he did the job probably exactly the right way because he's now he's now deemed something of a legend by the fans. Um, Steve Bruce probably can't afford to take on the owner in the same way as Rafa did. Um, in the end, Rafa left the club to go to China. It was it was disappointing. I was very sad to see him go uh, because he did bring that bit of hope to Newcastle, and he, he had he had big plans for the club. He wanted to change the academy. He wanted to change some of the recruitment system. He wanted to bring in his own men. Um, there was a lot of things that he could have tweaked, and had Mike Ashley sort of found some middle ground with him, I think that it would have. Uh, it, it it could have worked going forward. It, sadly, it didn't. That, that's history now. As you say, Steve Bruce hasn't really changed the style that much. He's still sort of playing a very defensive system. Uh, if you looked at his record after 50 games in the Premier League, Steve Bruce actually had one more win than Rafa, which, you know, for all the criticism he's had, he's done just as well, really. Um, and sadly, he finds himself... On, on the end of, of a lot of criticism. Some of it I can understand. The bit that I don't like is when it gets personal um, and becomes a little bit nasty. I think football, you know, in the past where we've had his rivalry when he was Sunderland boss, that that's a factor. You know what I mean? That's why some of the fans don't like Steve Bruce because he was Sunderland manager. Generations before that, won like Steve Bruce because he played for Manchester United. But at the end of the day, Newcastle United rejected him when he was a boy. Uh, you know, in the club's old youth system before the academies kicked in, he was he was at Newcastle and they let him go. So th there's lots of different arguments, but people will, as you know, people will mould their own argument against somebody. Um, and Steve Bruce, basically, his future depends on results, and um, they've got some tough games to come. Behind Enemy Lines on the Blood Red Channel. You mentioned Rafa Benitez wanting to sort of change maybe some elements of the recruitment stuff. Let's talk a bit about how the, the summer signings have got on. And one in particular, Jamal Lewis, of course, he was extensively linked with Liverpool prior to the move to Newcastle United. A number of Liverpool fans listening in will probably be sort of wondering how he how he's getting on up at St. James's Park. I think he's had a very steady start. Um we were lucky enough in between the lockdowns 
we were lucky enough to go down the training ground and meet the new signings. Um, and I met a man who was very level-headed, very level-headed lad. Um, he knew that he knew that he could have gone to Liverpool. Um, he spoke about it, but he but he seen Newcastle as as an opportunity. Now, I I don't know Liverpool fans know better. W- would he have been guaranteed his game every single week at Liverpool? It's 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 up for debate, isn't it? And Newcastle, I think he got that run in the team. Um, at the moment, he's he's been in and out of the team because obviously they're rotating the squad. But from from what I see, a very steady, good technical young player who can only get better, and someone who likes to get forward and get involved in the attacks. But obviously, he's had a lot of defensive shackles on him with the way Newcastle are playing. But for me, he's been a you know I, I would be giving him on his performances so far. I'd be giving him seven or eight out of ten on on the overall season. So he's done very well. Um, good value for money, and I think he um, he left Norwich. He knew that the supporters at Norwich were they were quite they were quite on top of the fans when they got relegated, and um, he, he was he was braced for. Coming into what what's deemed a bit of a cauldron in Newcastle, uh, if you get things wrong, you know about it straight away. So he was he was already kind of ready for that with the way Norwich went down. So yeah, hopefully he can only get better. Yeah, and talking about going forward, Callum Wilson was rested for the game at Manchester City, but all expectation he'll return to the side. He's been sort of, I suppose, the pin-up boy for Newcastle. Summer recruitment seems to have settled in very well. Yeah, very well. Um, I think with, with Callum Wilson, he has done even better when you consider he's hardly had any service. So he he's got eight goals so far. I think he's had something like twelve shots on target. So that's not a bad conversion rate. If they can get the service to to him better, happy days. I think he's easily going to get into double figures this season. I think he'll finish on closer to 20 goals uh, unless he gets picks up any injuries. Um, I quite like his air of confidence about himself. Uh, he's not arrogant, but he's just got a very high confidence level and I think you need that at Newcastle. He'd come in, I think everyone wanted him to get the number nine shirt, which is popular up here. But because Joe Linton had it, I think they, they, had, a, they had a conversation behind the scenes and thought, we, we don't want to destroy Joe Linton's confidence altogether by taking the shirt off him. So uh, he he retained that and Callum Wilson just got on with it and he's never looked back. So, you know, he, he got rested against Man City. I believe he'll start against Liverpool. Uh, and I would say he is the danger man. How big is it? You, you mentioned obviously the number nine shirt, but even regardless of sort of shirt number on, on the back of the strikers back up at Newcastle, actually having that, that focal point at the top end of the pitch, that whether the fans obviously not in the ground at the moment, but can watch on and sort of know who the man is, who is responsible of, of getting the goals in the team. It sort of seems to be a very big thing up at Newcastle. Yeah, it is. It's a, it's a huge thing. Uh, it's just a, because Newcastle haven't had success as a team, compared to to a Liverpool or a Manchester United um, down the years, it, it's a lot of it is then sort of boils down to individuals. Uh, and, you know, the strikers, we all know Andy Cole, Les Ferdinand, 
Alan Shearer, um, Oberferry Martin's had it for, for a while. Um, Papi Sissi had it, had it for a while too. Joe Linton was sort of the next big sort of big money signing to get it. Unfortunately, that shirt has been a heavy burden for him. He's, I don't think he's a natural goal scorer. He's more someone who can get out wide a little bit, cause problems down that side of the pitch. Holds the ball up well. Aerial dominance is there for all to see. He's not bad. He's not as bad a player as the the stats make out. But one thing he's not is he's not a, he's not going to be a regular goal scorer, and that's that's what the problem is here because with that shirt comes expectation, and he's not really he's not even in double figures yet. So it's been tough for him, but he's got he has got to turn the pace on him. He's got skill. Don't write him off. Um, he's he can't deliver on occasion, um, but he's just found it more difficult than, than a lot of others. But really, if you're asking me honestly, hand on heart, he should never have been given the number nine shirt because it, it was too much for a player um, who's come in and, and wasn't a proven goal scorer. Uh, if he'd have come in and had a different shirt number and been presented as a wide player who can also operate as a striker um, now and again, I don't think there'd be any of the, any of the fuss uh, that there has been. The, t- the price tag is there for all to see. I think Rafa Benitez said he would have signed him, but at £20 million. Then the owner said, well, I'll give you the other £20 million on top of your price, uh, on top of your transfer kitty. Um, I'll give you the £20 million out of my own pocket. That's what, that's what he said. Rafa still turned it down because he didn't think he was worth it. So he's got all those little stories hanging around. Um, but ultimately, if Callum Wilson can get the goals, ease the pressure on him a little bit, then hopefully they can you know, rekindle some kind of partnership. Yeah, I completely understand where you're coming from there. Final word then, just sort of on how you see the, the game playing out. See, Newcastle have only had three home defeats so far this season to Man United, Chelsea and, and Brighton early on in the campaign. Should Liverpool expect sort of a, a, a tight rearguard from Newcastle to break down or how are we looking at this game maybe playing out? Yeah, I can... To be honest, I, I do believe it'll be Newcastle will play five at the back. Um, they will try and eke out a point. They'll wait for opportunities. Um, they won't attack the game head on. And it it could be a bit of a war of attrition for Liverpool uh, overall, I think. Uh, Liverpool got a few injury problems. Um, I watched the game against West Brom. You know, that showed that you know, there, there could be an opportunity there for Newcastle to, to get something out of the game. I'd be delighted with a point, personally. It would be a good be a good outcome to, to end the year. So, we'll see. But Liverpool showed in the Crystal Palace game not so long ago exactly what they can do when they're in the mood. I just wonder if fatigue over the Christmas period might play something of a part in this match. Yeah, certainly. And there have been some uh, heavy beatings for, for Newcastle at St. James's by Liverpool in the not-too-distant past. But we won't go there, Lee. I'll, I'll try and keep you in festive uh, spirits and uh, wish you well and, and say thanks for, for joining us here on, on the podcast. No problem. Thanks. 
Lee Ryder, the Chronicle's chief Newcastle United writer, with the lowdown on what to expect later on at St James's Park. Well, don't forget, we'll be back after the game here on Blood Red with the post-game podcast. Do make sure to join us for that. Until next time, though, thanks for your time and your company. It's bye for now. You've been listening to the Behind Enemy Lines podcast on the Blood Red channel.